Well, um, it's been quite a week, a couple weeks in our lives. I want to show you a picture up here that tells you some of what's been happening with us. And uh, so went down to Austin, Texas, and had a wedding. And I performed the wedding. So that was kind of a, a scary venture. But I really, and, and Grace says I did a good job. So uh, there were good reviews on Yelp that day. It's kind of, so I'm, I'm kind of up for this. If you want to submit any applications, we can talk it through. But uh, uh, sweet time. And, uh, and I, I think in keeping with everything, even the last few days in our, in our nation, so many emotions. So with my children, I am happy. They had a live band. I didn't have to pay for it. It's the bride's family paid for all that. <laughs> we, we bought barbecue on Friday night, and that was a simpler venture. But phenomenal party, great fun. And... Uh, at the same time, I'm, I'm walking behind my son, so it's, he's escorting Susan, you know, uh, to the front to seat her, and I'm walking behind him, and in my mind, I have a picture of him as a two-year-old with these little blue shorts and suspenders, and this little shirt that I, and I'm just going, uh, I, I just, too much to take in, and, uh, but have a beautiful daughter-in-law, and uh, we're praying that they are fruitful and multiply. <laughs> so um, I want to ask Justin Coxon to come up here and join me. There you are. And uh, I told you we might take a couple of chairs up here just if we get tired. But, uh, and I think that's yours right now. So as I, I had a, a sermon plan today that I saw as pastoral to help us understand the value of transitions and how we walk in those transitions with each other, because that's a, a big part of our, our, our lives in general, but it's a huge part of uh, this community in Boston that has so many young professionals and students that come through. And uh, when I talked with Justin, I got back, so I talked with each one of the elders going, you know, Wow. This is what, what's happening. How do we respond to all of this? And uh, I was talking with Justin. He said, it's not an emergency. It's been going on a while. You know, we, and uh, so I'm going, okay, plan A, plan B. But I really have not been able to get past it in my mind, in my heart, in my emotions as I've thought about the... Uh, how many of you have watched the videos online? So, that's it. You know, what do you do with that? And how many of you have been on social media listening to other people's interaction about this this week? So, what we want to do a little bit of this morning is to, to interact together. And I felt like I cannot give an adequate response. And then as I talked to others, they said, no, you can't put this all on Justin. <laughs> that we really, 
have to learn how to walk this out together. And we need God's wisdom. And so this morning, we are not going to tie a bow on this and give you the, all the wonderful little nuggets, okay? This is, we're stepping into a conversation that we feel like is really important for us to have. And I, I can say on my own that uh, I, I feel very vulnerable. I was talking through some of my thoughts with Susan last night, and she said, you can't say that. I'm like, ah, what can I say? What can I say? You know, That's not going to be received well. You know, but it could be turned this way. And so I just feel like I'm the white guy that is pretty stupid in many sense. But I, I'll share a, a couple of points in my story later on where I have lived in a culture where I was not the majority. And uh, so... We're, we're not going to do this right. And I, Justin uh, and I have been planning this for quite some time. I think about two hours now. <laughs> and uh, uh, so uh, it is, it's, so we're stepping into this, okay? Everybody ready for something messy this morning? Honest and vulnerable. That's, that's where we're heading in this conversation. And uh, so, Justin? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm glad that you were, uh, you peeled the Band-Aid off the two hours of preparation, <laughs> just so people know. Um, but So in one sense, as I have gone into this week, and really this morning, um, I'm a little torn because, I mean, I, I saw the videos, have seen the discussions, all that. And in one sense, as a church, I'm like, yes, we're having these discussions. We're, we're, we're setting aside time and saying, this is something we want to dive into. And on the other hand, I'm saying, did it have to come to this? Um, did it have to come to not new things happening, but the level of detail that was exposed this week um, as far as just to level set, right? You have, I think it was Tuesday, Alton Sterling is... Uh, a video of him, uh, Alton Sterling's a black man uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, getting arrested, officer wrestles him to the ground, shoots him in the chest, um, and it's all captured on video, right? Uh, and then Wednesday, Philando Castile, outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, his wife is live streaming him getting pulled over by the police, and he's shot and, and bleeds out on camera uh, for, for the world to see. And again, Philando Castile, black man, I believe the officer wasn't black. I'm not sure if he was white or, or uh, something different. But either way, right, those events aren't new to our nation or to our country, to our history, but the level of detail that we've seen this week has been really shocking, right? And then I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, there's a peaceful protest going on and five police officers are, are shot when a man uh, decides to basically retaliate, right, and, and seek vengeance. And so, uh, in a sense, I'm like, yes, you know, we need as the church to have these discussions because conversations about race aren't just a response to a crisis, but it's really part of what we're called to do is to show the world that there's something different and there's something unique and distinct and there's something beautiful about race and the way that God created us. And so if we only respond to crisis, we're kind of just, it's like when you and your brother get in a fight and your mom's like, all right, make up and go on. Like th there's, there's a longer term initiative and conversation that we want to have. And I'm glad that as an elder board and as a pastor, Mark is embracing that. So um, I'm excited to just kind of lay some things out this morning, but also as a church, this is a journey that we're all on together.
So um, one thing that, that caused us to have this last-minute conversation is two days ago, Justin was saying, what we ought to do is have another format where we can get into this much deeper and possibly have a, uh, um, some sort of a panel discussion. And I'm going like, let's do it this Sunday. He says, no, no, that's, Mark, that would be how you would do things. But uh, uh, so, uh, so anyway, we are, we are walking forward and, and in a discussion with, with everyone in the room here, okay? We're having a conversation. Now, the, the outline that we're going to try to work with is three points. How this relates to our relationship with God, how this relates how we deal with this personally, and then how it affects us in our relationship with each other, okay? So, first of all, in relationship with our Trinitarian God, the only wise God, the creator of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, perfect, immutable, unchangeable, all, the one who has all power, that one, just in case you were wondering which one I was talking about. He is both just and simultaneously he sees everything. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. So there, there's a very difficult time that we have with those two things happening simultaneously, that God must be just. God is just, so therefore he must not be catching everything that's going on because there's a lot of injustice that's happening. And the other side of it is, well, if he sees it, then he must be just kind of ignoring the depth of what's happening. And that is worth writing a book about. I'm not going to be able to, in in a lot of these points we're making, we're not going to totally nail this, put it to bed, it's over, everybody's going to go fully understand that concept. What I just want to say is, if you want God's wisdom, you have to hold on to both of those things and not let go of either of them. And it, it forces you into a place of understanding uh, some of the very basic parts of God's character that um, where he, what, what exactly is justice? What does he mean by all that's happening in, in the world? So simple, difficult, God sees everything. There's no video. There's all these things that we're seeing. God has been seeing all this, and yet he is just. So, one of the things that I think this word justice gets thrown around a lot, right? It's a, you know, a term that I think for political and even in communities of faith is, has become a hot button. Justice, when I hear that word, there's what God intended for the world and there's what we have now. And justice is the process that pushes us towards the full will of God and everything that he intended. I think a lot of people, when they hear the word justice, think, oh, it's punishing and, like, making sure that everyone that does something wrong is corrected. That's part of it. But it's also the beauty and the glory and the splendor and everything that God created in the world being set in place. So when it comes to race and ethnicity, uh, a lot of times I, I hear kind of this 
idea that, well, shouldn't we just move past that? Right? Shouldn't we just not think about that because that's a social construct and we always seem to fight about it and shouldn't we just move on and, and, and just think about other things? Well, we have to think about God's character to begin with that. God himself is uni uh, unified, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but yet each of his three persons is distinct. So the very character of God is unity amongst diversity. And so the very character of God's people can't be unity while sacrificing diversity, and in fact, diversity that God created. So for me, as an African-American, I can accept the fact that my skin is the color it is because that's how God created it. It's not a social construct. It's not something that's imagined or something that we've kind of like, you know, made up in our own modern terms. The texture of my hair, the sound of my voice, all of that is a reflection of God's glory and his beauty. And so when we come together in unity, when we ignore the things that make us different, we're not just offending and being politically incorrect, we're actually distorting God's character. So to think about how it relates to God, conversations about race and ethnicity and the ways that we're different are a testimony to God's glory. And when we ignore them, we're not just ignoring or isolating or being politically incorrect, we are taking away some of the glory that God created in the world. So remember this justice thing, it's here on this side, right, the fullness of what God intended, when we talk about justice, we want to bring about the fullness of what God intended for the beauty of people who are different, people who are Filipino or African-American or Nigerian, you know? So it's not just a matter of like, oh, let's just, you know, try to like be peaceful about this and not talk about it. It's like, man, there's so much beauty and splendor in the way God created people. And we don't want to miss that because the world misses that. In their own way, they're kind of crying out for, how do we solve that? I was talking to my neighbor the other day. She's like, I don't know what to do. It seems like we're just going to keep having this. And so the church is called to be something different, not only in the fact that we don't have issues or we don't argue, but that there is a beauty and there is a uniqueness and there is something desirable about the way that we pursue and look at our differences. So I remember a phrase a number of years ago that's like, that uh, seemed right initially, that we, we want to be colorblind, but heaven is not colorblind. There are people from every tribe, nation, people, and tongue. And if we are, if we are blind to your unique qualities, then we're actually not valuing you. We, we want not everything to be bland. We want the fullness of every person to be seen. Now, this just relates to us personally. So this is, this is my family story. Uh, we, Susan and I in the 80s started being involved with uh, just reading and connecting with issues related to the poor. And when it came time for us to buy a, a house, yes, this is 1991 in a bad season, but we bought a wonderful house for $55,000 in East Austin. And uh, just shaking my fist at that, that price. <laughs> I think that's like a parking spot here. Yeah. Well, it, it had graffiti on the inside of the house. And there were a couple of walls that were missing. The, the family across the street from the house across the street from us only had three walls in it, and there were a couple of live animals inside of it. So, uh, 
we wanted to move to a place that was challenging. So it was very racially diverse. The high school was primarily African-American. Now, in the middle of all that, the Rodney King incident happened. And my wife works at an inner city clinic as a pediatrician. And yeah, you should explain. Yeah, sorry, Rodney King. Okay, I will. Um, but Susan is also in, in uh, taking care of babies in the hospital in Rhode Island this morning, so that's why, where she is right now. So she, Rodney King was probably the first incident of videoing police brutality against an African-American. And it was on a video camera, not on a telephone. And uh, the result of that was uh, race riots in, in Los Angeles. So huge wave of activity. And I remember Rodney King standing up in the middle of all of that saying, this is wrong, this should not be happening, the, this the whole cycle. But the effect on us in East Austin was fear. Susan and I were afraid. Oh, no. Because we, we were not in the burbs somewhere. We were trying to press into all this. So I, my point as it relates to me personally is fear is okay. All right? Anybody been afraid? You have different things going through you, like you're going, oh, no. What in the world is happening? I think it's okay to be afraid. I've, I've been afraid as I think about these different things. And there's different circumstances. But I, I know that some of the fear that I'm tapping into is what Justin has lived with his whole life. That I am, you know, what, what could happen to me in this circumstance or that circumstance? So, um, then, so, have a, a certain amount of, of fear. Did I give you a point in this section? I think you might have. A, I, I can add a couple okay. things. One, fear is okay, right? And I also, I think one of the ways that we can be unique as the church is that it's also okay for us to say, I didn't know that. I've never experienced that. Can you explain that to me? So, in a sense it's okay for us to re- admit that we might be ignorant to some things. And I'm not saying ignorant in a, in, a, in a malicious way. I'm just saying it's okay for us to be able to say, I've never experienced that or I don't know that. And I realize uh, Mark was expressing this to me this morning. I have a good friend who I went to college with who's from uh, the southern part of Missouri. We call that Missouri. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Missouri, right? <laughs> Missouri is like... It's, it's, the, it's a country, right? It's all white people. It's, it's, for the most part, impoverished. And we have a lot of conversations. And a lot of times, he's, he's expressing to me, like, I feel like every time I get into these conversations as a white person, I'm automatically shamed because I don't know all the talking points and I don't, can't you know, express in the most nuanced way what my privilege and all of that looks like. And in a sense, I'm saying, like, yes, that's, that's, that's a response that happens sometimes in the world, right? Where when you enter into conversations about race as a white person, if you don't hit it perfectly, you're that out of touch, ignorant white person who no one wants to be associated with. When in reality in the church, I think we can, we can come together as brothers and sisters and say, hey, you might not have known that, or I don't know that, and that's okay. And we can bear with each other and educate each other and realize that yes, no one in this room probably has a perfectly formed, nuanced conversation about race and ethnicity in our country's history and all of that, and still, still love one another, and still correct each other and say, hey, I think that's actually not, not biblical, what you're talking about. 
colorblindness is an example of one of those things that I think people throw out with very good intentions, but we can gracefully say, I'm not sure that that's biblical. And what, what's, what's required of us when we do that is humility. It's humility to be able to be offended and have things said to you or done that are offended and to not overlook those and just pretend that they don't exist, but to purposefully enter into that awkward moment and say, I think that's a little off base. And for me, uh, one of the things I'm learning is that humility as an ethnic minority is not ignoring everything and pretending everything doesn't offend you. And so for those of you in the room who are ethnically, culturally different, that's actually not being humble. It's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't help us advance as a church if we only uh, you know, insulate ourselves and, and don't speak up when things are off base. So there's humility on both sides, right? Humility to admit that maybe we don't know or that we might be ignorant of something, and also humility to enter into those awkward moments and say, no, that's not right. <laughs> that's wrong, actually. So um, yeah, humility is, is huge and something that I think can mark us as, as, as believers. So, so I always like to be an example of ignorant humility, you know, and walk around and say, Justin, I, I noticed you're black, you know, and, and I'm white, and I don't quite know what to say right now because I feel, you know, so that is a, an over-the-top way of communicating <laughs> that I'm just going like, I don't quite know. To, so what I, what I do is I just go straight up, hey, talk to me. What are you thinking? What's going on? What do I need to know? That's a lot of times I'll call someone and say, what am I supposed to know right now? What do I need to understand? What do you think, what question do you want to ask me? And so I'm just leaning into it, saying, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I understand what's going on. I'm not going to pretend that I've got the right answer to this situation. I want to come in humility as a learner. And another aspect of this is I had to learn from my daughter at a conference she went to last year is that we are so often stuck in the dance of anger and guilt. So uh, I think in the African-American or, or any minority population, there can be a place of anger and injustice. And then my response is I just, I guess I don't feel guilty enough. I don't, you know, I, I need to get lower... They're humble. Humility is right, but the guilt just kind of gets me nowhere. I just shut down in my ability to interact. And so I, as I've seen that cycle in my own life, that I, guilt is not going to be a good step forward, then I just try to stop doing that. Don't pull away and shame, but go, okay, you know, talk to me. Um, I'm going to make a point as to how it relates to us personally. And that is that uh, white Americans need help in understanding their culture. I lived in Indonesia for 10 years, and it was a fascinating place because it was multiple cultures. It was hundreds of cultures. And I would try to explain to people what's going on there is there was, there's uh, 10, 15,000 islands. And so in each one of those islands, there were languages developed, ways of marrying and burying, there are actually skin color, hair type that, that are identifiable with each one of those different cultures. And, but through the advancements of modern transportation and communication, all of those people have been moving, a lot of them, to Java and to the other islands. Java is the center of government. It's the center of ed education. And so you see this massive blending of cultures. 
And they all have a sense of pride, judgment, anger, all of these dynamics happening. And so I, I got to say, oh, you know, I was, I'm a missionary and I'm studying all their cultures because I'm living in their pond and I can make all kinds of observations, but I, I can't see the water that I'm living in. I can't, it's hard for me to explain white culture to you because it's like, it's, it's all, I can't see myself. I can't, I don't have that perception. So it is with that, it's, it's important for us to learn from others. So under, what is it, what is it that you're seeing there? What is it that you're experiencing there in our culture, in my culture? And again, not as, uh, as painful as it can be at times, I, I want to be a learner. I want to be humble. So it's just a simple point, bullet point. We need to study and understand uh, white culture. And I, and I realize that that's, it's not monolithic. Missouri is different from South Louisiana and from South Boston. So everybody in any one culture is not the same. There's massive diversities in every person. I think I appreciate the point on culture because when we look at the character of God, it's not just contained in one culture. Each culture has its own values, its own norms, its own things that it does well and not well. And so when we don't purposely step out of our culture, we're not only, again, not just you know being uh, maybe isolating towards people, we're also distorting God's character. And so one, one example that actually encouraged me about this is a lot of my friends who, and I appreciate that you say it's not a monolith, a lot of my upper middle class friends who are white aren't thinking really that this was a hard week. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we're just another week. It's rainy outside, right? When a lot of my friends who are in the minority culture are like, this is really tough. And so if we're going to be a body of Christ that's made up of multiple cultures, when we only look at things from the perspective of one culture, we're short-circuiting the, the robustness and the beauty of God's character because God is certainly broken over what's happening here in America. And also, it's important for us to, I think, think about things internationally. I mean, Iraq, Iran, uh, Istanbul, right? They're all having things that are breaking God's heart right now. And so it's important for us to think about what are people outside of my culture thinking and doing about this situation? Because it's probably encompassing something that God is thinking and doing that I might not naturally be uh, attuned to. And so I especially, I, I can empathize with the dominant or white culture because you don't have to step outside your culture if you don't want to for the most part if you live in america you can get a job you can have a family you can interact with most parts of society i mean that's what the suburbs are for right like you don't have to be around other cultures if you don't want to if we're honest about it so um and i'm not i'm not saying that to to jab at you but i'm saying that to just realize that that's how society can be set up and so it's purposeful and it has to be something that even myself as an educated person I don't have to be around uh, people that don't have the love of the education that I do if I don't want to. I can just, you know, live in the right neighborhood and have the right job and interact with the right people. But for me, it's, it's purposeful to be around those who are different than me because it helps me appreciate more of what God's doing. Because God is, is not made in my image, but he's made mankind in all of his image. So culture is important. Yep, okay. So, 
I'm conscious of time. I'm conscious that we're just opening cans right now. We're not resolving a lot of things. And uh, I want to share some scripture. And I, uh, I want to talk a little bit of how it relates to us. So we, we had thought about taking some questions, but I think that we'll just, uh, again, I'm just respecting your time right now. And uh, so maybe we can do that afterwards. But uh, so, so difficult. There's, this is a community experience. I, I feel like that part of our process is just giving you more of uh, the conversation that you're going to be in intensely probably the next week. And, but it's, this is only increasing. So, um, Justin, thank you so much. Bless you, brother. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and just share a couple of scriptures here. So, you like this guy? Thank you. Thank you so much. So, um, I... I want to challenge you to spend a little time. How does it relate to each other? I want us to spend a lot of time in fasting and prayer this week. And I'm specifically going to be fasting and praying. Not today. I've got a couple of other appointments and things I've committed to be involved in. Going to eat some Indian food for lunch. Uh, but, but certainly Monday and Tuesday. I just I want to get low. And I, I really need... God to speak to me on a personal level. So that's one thing that I encourage you as it relates to others to, of, uh, to, to walk in prayer together this week and even fasting. I want you to encourage you to take part in other events that may be happening. So there, there are other churches that are having uh, prayer events. This is, a, this is a time for us to, to look out and say, how, how are we connected to our larger community? I called uh, a friend of mine yesterday, Ron Ricketts, and he is a uh, African. He's actually Jamaican, uh, and he works as a chaplain within the prison system. And so I just reached out to him and I said, "Talk to me. What are you seeing? What are you What are you hearing? What's going on?" And he he gave me a couple of connections to to websites and said, "You know, check this out." I got online. I got something from a guy. Uh, that John Lowe, uh, a pastor in Los Angeles, uh, posted something with a man named Jonathan Tremaine Thomas. And he is uh, on the board relating to the police, African-American man in Ferguson, Missouri. Had some phenomenal stuff to say. And uh, so I would encourage you to connect with all that. One of the things that he says... He said, "Is if this is war, there will be no winners. There's no way that the cycle of what's happening for us to, to win. We have to be humble. And so, Scripture, First Chronicles 7.14, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and heal their land. So, again, something very simple, 
but we're standing on God's word. The appropriate response for healing is for us to walk in greater humility. Lord, how can I repent? That's the only thing that I have control over. And I do want to say that there is a time for anger. There are things to be angry about. But Numbers 14.8 says, The Lord is slow to anger, not quick to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. James 1.19, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So, there is a place for anger. But let's be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to post. All right? So, what is the fruit of humility? God gives grace to the humble. James 4, 6. So, if you are needing... If you're in a place where you just feel like the walls are coming in on you, how can I humble myself, Lord? It relieves, you give grace. It's interesting. You know, it's, it's very difficult for me to address anything related to anger because I am on the, the other side, of the kind of the shame side of that conversation. But with this brother, Jonathan Tremaine Thomas, he was saying... He was preaching Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. And so we, we want to learn how to walk this out. And then the last thing that I, that I want to say is we're, we're closing up. I'm closing up here, and we're going to have a little bit of time of worship. And that is we need to grow, I believe, in having... Uh, this, again, is a huge teaching, but an unoffendable heart. Love is not easily offended. And so in this process, I would say, Lord, show us how to not be offended. Show us how to not react. Show us how to, to walk in love. And as the band comes up, I, uh, you know, I, I, I also want the elders, some of our uh, prayer teams. Let's all stand up right now. One thing that in our first conversation, Justin, that you said was this has been happening, but the level of visibility is bringing trauma to all of us. There's, there's like being like we're living, we're seeing it all. We're, we've entered into something that's, that's really damaging us. It's hurting us. It's causing that wound. Again, some of that, the healthy visibility of what, what is reality in our world is, is helpful. But there's also, there's a place where we shouldn't be seeing this. Our children should not be seeing this. This violence is, is something that, it, that causes us pain, and we need Jesus to heal our hearts.
So I want uh, you different elders come up here. And if you just need a prayer for healing for the pain that you're experiencing this. Uh, Aaron, come on up here, please. Then I, we, we want to pray for healing, emotional healing today. And if you just need to, if you need to repent, you need to find a place of humility, then I call you to that. Say, Lord, I want to get lower. If you want to pray for someone else in the room, we want to do that. It's, it's right up at noon, okay? There may be, uh, this is one of those things that just takes a lot of time. So I'm, I'm going to have these guys play for the next 10 minutes. If you need to go, please be blessed. You need to, I, uh, some people are going to have to go get their children. The children are in the back. just take a little bit more time and worship and ministry of the Lord right now. So come be prayed for, connect with Jesus, pray for someone else. Let's worship. Let's worship.